And now, live from Level 5 Productions on the island of Milleronia, it's The Larry Miller Show! Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who understands traffic after a heavy meal. Hi, folks, and welcome back to The Larry Miller Show. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And I'm on the mainland now with Colonel Jeff here at Stately Miller Manor and uh, with the doggies here in the studio. And it was just gorgeous today. It really, really was, and it's worth saying that. And it, you know what? As you know, and I'll, uh, I'll never stop saying, that music makes me feel wonderful, and Colonel Jeff, too. And, of course, that's the Andre Previn Orchestra and the Abbey Stein Dancers, featuring boy tenor Brad Simpson asking the musical question, if you don't happen to have any clothes that are tie-dyed, can you still get into a Grateful Dead concert? Yes, but I'll bet you a dollar they're tie-dyed when you leave. Now, good question, Brad, as always. And, uh, well, I'm a deadhead. I must have mentioned that at some point here on the show. But uh, I sure do like the Grateful Dead, and I always have and I always will. And more than like them, I mean, that's my band. In fact, uh, one of my sons got me on his uh, last trip home got me for my birthday got me a well a collection of grateful dead cds there are six of them and boy i like them a lot and i like him a lot i was so touched well i love him a lot but i said well good for you because my kids know well that's the way it is i'm a deadhead and see the thing is in in my college years and a couple of years after that i went to a bunch of dead concerts, and I never owned anything tie-dyed. I, that's why it was a good question, Brad. I mean, I wouldn't know how to make them, and to be honest, I don't know how I'd feel wearing them anyway. We would just all wear jeans and flannel shirts and topsiders, which, come to think of it, is what we wore every day anyway. But there was nothing in the world to me, wow, like a Grateful Dead show, a Grateful Dead concert, and we had a great time there. And no, we didn't, well, we didn't take any pills. We didn't do any this or that. It's, we just, we were all deadheads. And we loved, I still, whew, just the thought, Jerry Garcia, God bless you. You know what? I wish you were still here, but wow. Bob Weir, Phil Lesh, and Bill Kreutzman, and uh, oh man, Mickey Hart. Whew. A great, a great band, and uh, if if you know that, then we're in the same family. If you don't know that, you should. Uh, so anyway, a good question, Brad. If you don't happen to have any clothes that are tie dyed, can you still get into a Grateful Dead concert? Yes, and nobody beat us up for not having them. I don't think so, anyway. Well, you know what? I'll have to think about that, and I'll get back to you. And uh, there are a couple of people who were important to mention in that introduction. Uh, Andre Previn, uh, 
and Abby Stein, they both passed on very recently. And Andre Previn, well, God bless him. What a what a great artist. What a talent. What a genius. And we all use that word too much, I think, but real charming and in every way and with all of his music. So good for you, Andre. God bless you and good luck wherever you're going there. I think it's I think I think God might just give you your own galaxy. And uh, either start things there or figure out how to run it. And Abby Stein, boy, oh boy, she was, a, well, a friend of mine and a great comedian. And she just passed away. Abby was a, a real talent and a delight. And she was funny and tough as nails. She could look right at you or anyone and wasn't afraid of anything. And uh, I liked her a lot. We all liked her a lot in that little comedy family. And we all met and started out at the comic strip in New York. And one year on New Year's Day, we went to see Abby in the hospital. Uh, three friends of mine and I had a thing. We, all, we always used to do on New Year's Day. I might have mentioned this at one point anyway. We called it the funniest men in the world. And we were kidding, by the way. You know, we didn't mean that. But that was our little group. And on New Year's Day, no matter where you were working the night before, and a couple of times, a couple of years, boy, I had to fly in from Atlanta or or Dallas or Chicago or something. But we got back. I flew in either after the New Year's shows the night before or first thing in the morning, really early, like 5, 6 o'clock flight in the morning, just to get back to New York, because that's where it was, and that's where we were. And that was, uh, in fact, uh, Jerry Seinfeld, Paul Reiser, Mark Schiff, and me, and Mike Kane. God bless him. He's a good friend of ours, and he passed away, too. And uh, we had a, well, we had a great group, and Abby Stein was sick one year, and she had... Uh, I think it was meningitis, and she was in the hospital, and she was in the bed, and she was all tied up to everything, and we decided to go visit her and say hello and, you know, just laugh together and dance around her bed. And, by the way, it wasn't because we were loaded. It wasn't because we were drunk, okay? And if it was, who cares? So what? And uh, But we went there, we got there, Oh, I guess about eleven, eleven thirty in the morning, and we stayed for a while. I don't know how long, about an hour, I guess. And she was smiling, and she was happy we were there, and uh, and so were we. And I'll never forget. I think that's right on the way out of the hospital. We decided a wheelchair race was the best way to leave, and uh, turns out it wasn't. And uh, they didn't appreciate that there, but we were, oh, we were knuckleheads and we were just giggling anyway. So, so we did. And it was great to see Abby. At any rate, she passed away about a week and a half ago or two weeks ago. And I'm sorry, Abby. I'm sorry you got sick. And I'm sorry it beat you. She had a couple of kids and she married someone she loved. And, uh, Boy, she was doing all sorts of things. But it's 
not only worth mentioning her name, it's more than worth it. Good luck to Andre, and good luck to you, Abby. And God bless you both. And by Amazon. That's right, Amazon. Still my favorite company in the world. And not just because they pay us. Well, again, that's another, maybe it is. But uh, but they're a good company. And by the way, you can get anything from them in the world. Amazon has everything. And you can get everything from them, except, of course, an actual Amazon. And if you could do that, please let us know fast. Because Colonel Jeff and I want to come there. If you get the doorbell rings one day, you boom, boom, and you see, well, there's a beautiful, strong, tough Amazon there. You know what? Let us know. We'd like to know. And we'd like to check her out and be careful so that she doesn't hurt you. We'd rather she hurts us first. <laughs> That's right. Not for long. Okay, a couple of weeks. But, I mean, we, we just just want to know. In any case, uh, that's a great company, Amazon. And if you want to go there and buy all sorts of things, you know what? You could get there on your iPhone, on your laptop, or whatever it is. Don't don't do that. We'll take you there. Go to our website, LarryMillerPodcast.com. Who's on the mountain? Tom Mix. Oh, brother. I've got to get new socks. <laughs> we'll get you there. We have a banner that says Amazon. Click that, and they'll eh, go take a nap. Get in your big lazy boy chair and just uh, rock it back. You can have a meal or put a magazine over your head, but you won't need it. And uh, they're not a sponsor, by the way. I just love saying, boy, those chairs are pretty good. And that brings me to my favorite part of the show, the joke. Of the week. Yeah. And <laughs> I do love this. I've said it before, but it's true. You know what it's like? Great music by Schubert or Schumann or any of the composers that, frankly, just sit on a shelf. Oh, sure, there are classical musicians who play them a lot, but not a ton. And it's great to keep them alive. And it's it's great to do that with art. And it's great to do that with jokes, with good jokes. And you know what? If you like this one, pass it on. Tell someone you care about, someone you love, your family, your friends, people at work, whatever it is. Keep jokes alive. In fact, that's a good motto for something. And at any rate, Colonel Jeff and I like this one very much. As uh, a fella who comes home after work to his nice suburban house, and he says to the wife, hi, honey, and they have that dinner together. She says, listen, uh, I'm not going to have dinner tonight with you because I just want you to know I took a job, a little part-time job, just to uh, well, get a little pin money and uh, a couple of bucks here and there. And uh, so I'm going out there now. And uh, and he says, okay, good, great. And she does. She uh, hops out the door and there's a cab waiting for her. She called the cab and she gets in and takes off and goes, all right. And in the next couple of nights, though, and she's going out every night to do her job, and uh, he starts to think, and he gets a little suspicious. Gee, I don't know. She doesn't something. Epis uh, doesn't seem right about this. That she's she hasn't given me any information, really. And she, and he, then he thinks, 
I bet she's going to see a guy. I bet she's cheating on me. I bet she got a boyfriend. And he said, well, you know what? That's That's got to come to an end. And he... That next night when he gets home, she, she takes off in her cab and heads out, and he gets in a cab, too, that he called. And he gets in the cab and says, follow that cab. And the cabbie does, and uh, they go. It's only a few miles away, and uh, they get to a place that it turns out is a brothel. And it looks like a brothel, too. It's kind of on its own out there in in the woodlands outside the suburbs. And the guy said, what, what is this? What, what in the world? And her cab pulls up and sits there for a couple of minutes while, well, she's getting dressed. And then she gets out of the cab and she is tarted up and made up and she's wearing, well, fancy, sexy clothes. And she goes in and he, he thinks, no, this, this can't be. I, I don't know what, what's going on in there, but, well, this is, there are prostitutes in there. I, he can't even think about it. And he says to the cabbie, hey, want to make a hundred bucks? And the cabbie says, sure. And he says, go in there and get my wife out of there and drag her out. And that gets you a hundred bucks. The cabbie says, sure. So he puts it in park and he does that. He gets out of his side and goes into, goes trotting into the brothel. And just a minute or two later, out he comes and he's dragging the woman and uh, he drags her back to the car and opens the door for her. And the guy in the car says, hey, wait a minute. That's not my wife. I know. It's mine. I'm going back inside for yours right now. That's pretty good. We got a kick out of that. And again, that's when it's that wonderful thing about jokes. One of the kinds of jokes where, well, it it lives in silly world a little, which is a fine place to be. That uh, how many times I don't know. Are there brothels in anyone's neighborhoods? I I I guess I don't know. But it's just funny. His wife says, "I'm going to make a couple of bucks." Okay, bye. <laughs> Anyway, I hope you like that one, too. And as I said, pass it along. Keep jokes alive. And that brings me to my second favorite part of the show. The Poetry Corner. love that string quartet. Uh, and I love the poetry corner. I love bringing that into our lives here and the doggies too. And uh, giving it to you the same thing. Keep poetry alive. This is written by the great William Blake, who was an English poet, lived from 1757 to 1827. Well, he was uh, many things. He was a poet, painter, and a printmaker, which he, he did artwork and maps but really a poet, and he was your typical unrecognized person in his lifetime, but he is now considered one of the most important artists and voices in the Romantic Age. And this is a lovely poem called Spring by William Blake. Sound the flute, now it's mute. Birds delight 
day and night. Nightingale in the dale, lark in sky, merrily, 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 to welcome in the year. Little boy full of joy, little girl sweet and small, cock does crow, so do you. Merry voice, infant noise, merrily, merrily, to welcome in the year. Little lamb, here I am, come and lick my white neck. Let me pull your soft wool, let me kiss your soft face, merrily, merrily, to welcome in the year. Isn't that nice? That's really a love like, well, like a lot of great poets, William Blake found there a nice series of images for, well, spring. I hope you like it the same thing. Pass it along. Keep poetry alive. And that brings me to my third favorite part of the show. Magic Movie Moment. This is a terrific movie, and both Colonel Jeff and I ran into it and saw it again uh, on TV. Funny, I went just by saying that it sounded like someone from 100 years ago on the television. And uh, But it's a great movie from 1969, Easy Rider, written by Peter Fonda, Dennis Hopper, Terry Southern. Directed by Dennis Hopper, starring Peter Fonda and Dennis Hopper, Jack Nicholson, Karen Black. It's a great cast and a terrific movie. And I remember even seeing it as a kid. And I I loved it, even though I didn't understand most of anything it was doing or they were doing or saying. Uh, but it, it had a feeling to it. Well, those guys were all pretty good at finding thoughts and feelings. And... Boy, oh boy, they go across the country on their choppers, on their big motorcycles, and, well, the magic movie moment scene is a good part of that movie, and it indicates something about their trip. It's the coffee shop scene, where, well, they're going across the country, and they stop in, they walk into a small town, into the coffee shop, into their little diner there, and... Folks, it's the first time, by the way, I just want to tell you that uh, that town and the uh, that became the sets was on location in Louisiana because on that trip, coincidentally, they're, they're going to New Orleans or Nolens. And they go into this diner, though, and it's the first time in the movie I and Colonel Jeff agrees and remembers this, and maybe you too remember that it's the first time we had a look at how these people are seen by the local folks they meet and how Peter Fonda and Dennis Hopper look to them. Because remember, this was a time, well, this was 1969 and the year or two before it, it took to film. And when you looked like that today, it's all different. You can look as crazy as you want and go into the fanciest jewelry store in Beverly Hills, and they'll say, well, hello, fellas, have a seat. And uh, yet in those days, you were seen as, well, dangerous, and not just as hippies, but 
as well as communists, as thieves, as drug dealers, as uh, who knows what. And so it's the first time we see also not just the diner was local, but they got for their cast there, they got some uh, fellas who are local from that area. And they look at it and it makes you jar just a little bit. And there were five or so local girls who were playing teenage girls who were still in high school. And, well, they were just cast just right. And they were pretty and giggling and reacting to them, to Peter and Dennis. I go, well, who are they? And what do, what do they want? And uh, But enjoying it. In fact, loving it. But the fellas there, boy, they were they were not pleased that these two were coming into their diner in their town and in a way forcing themselves there. And, by the way, Dennis Hopper, as the director, told them, he just made this up, that he told them before they were shooting there that the two characters, Wyatt and Billy, Peter and Dennis, had raped two local girls the night before just to make them even madder. He said, now play, that's how you feel. That's how you should feel about them. And they did, and just the way they looked, folks, I remember, but you remember too. And one of the older fellows there sitting at the table just said, uh, after one of the one of the pretty young girls says, who are they? And uh, one of the local fellows says uh, something like, uh, he was an older man, and he said, uh, they look like the offspring of a gorilla loving. And it's not that that's so funny. It just shows you, though, they don't like this. And that's the way our country was. These fellas, fellas like that, couldn't just drive up and ride up in their choppers and say, hi, everybody. And it shows them later. They're looking for a place to sleep. And they ride up to a motel. They don't even turn the choppers off. Which, by the way, even as a kid, made me just kind of annoyed. How do you not just, how do you not turn the choppers off, walk in, take your helmets off, or just walk in, take your sunglasses off, or just walk in and say to the man behind the counter, uh, Evening, sir, uh, do you have a room for us? No, they don't. They just shout it from the choppers that are still running, roaring, just... And a guy comes out, and Peter Fonda yells, Got any rooms for us? And the guy just doesn't even answer, just kind of waves his hand, and I go on, get out of here, and walks back inside, and he closes the screen door. That's the way that coffee shop scene was to me. This is a terrific movie. It's meaningful on a lot of levels. And it starts in one place, and it turns out they begin to realize what we begin to realize. They don't know where they're going. They don't know what's going to happen when they get there. And they don't even know what they want anymore. It's a good movie, folks. See it again if you haven't seen it in a long time. If you've never seen it, see it. It's worth seeing it. And remember, well... There's nothing like a good movie with a magic movie moment. And it reminded me, because I wanted to tell you tonight, uh, 
about something that happened today, a series of somethings. And as I was going through it, I thought, this is worth telling people about on The Larry Miller Show. I did a show in Australia. That is, it's, an, it's a very popular show. It's, I think it's their number one show. And it's a variety show, and it's run, hosted by uh, Richard and Sonia, who are a terrific uh, couple of folks, and they, they do a good job. And it's, it's on live in Australia, and it bounces off a satellite, and they asked, they were very nice and asked if I wanted to come on, and I said, sure. And my publicist and friend, Michael Hansen, came with me. I met him there. Boy, you never know about Los Angeles anyway. Once you drive there, that it was an hour and 15 minutes for him from Santa Monica, where he lives, just to get to, and this wasn't driving to the moon, just to get to on regular roads in the city, just to get to where this building is. Now, that's worth mentioning. He's... He's a big boy, and he's a great pro. But we look at each other, and he just said, well, that was some ride, boy. Well, yeah, it is. And uh, it's an hour and 15 minutes when you don't expect it to be. And I came from here, Stately Miller Manor, and uh, it didn't take me that long. It took me about a half hour. But here's the thing. I parked my car in the building there, and, well, this is great. I'm going to do a show from Australia, and I'm always, boy, I always try to be on time. I'm never on time, by the way. It dawned on me that I've been 17 minutes late for 12 years. But in any case, I was uh, on time for this, and I I parked there, and I got into the lobby where there are two elevators, one on one side and one on the other. And this is a really new, well, fancy building. And I looked at the elevators and the panels there to... Get the elevators, and normally you know and I know, and Colonel Jeff knows, there's a button. You push the button to get the elevator, so you just push a button. I'm standing next to an older man with a cane, and he and I both have no idea what to do. There's a panel on each side near the elevator with numbers on them, just numbers, one to nine, and big numbers in three rows of three, and I... I don't know what to do. I don't I don't think I'm that stupid. And, and I looked at him, and he looked at me, and he, he shrugged, and I shrugged. And I said, wait a minute, hang on a second here. We tried doing something like that. And then I said, wait a minute, I'll get us some help here. And I walked, it's about 50 feet more, to back to the lobby near the front doors. And there are two fellows behind the counter, and they work there. They're doormen and signing folks in, I guess. And they have those... You know, uniforms on. And I walked up and said, uh, can one of you help us? I honestly can't figure out the elevator. I don't know what to push. And I, that fellow there and I need you to help us. And one of the fellows uh, smiled and kind of chuckled at me and said, shouldn't you know? And I smiled back. And he mentioned, he was talking about an episode I did of Seinfeld where I played a doorman, and I had kind of the outfit they had. And uh, that was a lot of fun, that episode. But uh, but I, he said, he came over and he said, okay, let me show you what's going on. Now, with those buttons, you see, you have to push the button for the floor you're going to. 
Now, I could have done that. I just didn't know what to do. And I, so we were going to the 15th floor, both the older fella and I, and he pushed that, and he said something nice. He held the door open for us as we walked in, I, and he said something. I said something. All right, we'll see you. Thanks, pal. And uh, and then we did. We started We started going up, and I remember saying, I just turned to the older man, and I just said, uh, what is it with us today? What are we looking for? Why does that have to be so hard? I mean, you and I both just couldn't do it. Could we? And I, we're not idiots, and I don't want to be an idiot, but what are the builders of buildings doing or trying to do that we don't need anyway and can't do once they do it? And I said, I'm not saying we should go back to, well, guys in uniforms with white gloves on in the elevator. Well, the elevator man. You know, where he takes, he got the handle there and it's on a big circular unit and he just starts it up. He closes that gate with his other hand. Remember that? And uh, and then starts it up and they would tell you whatever floor you were going to. Third floor. All right. Well, this is men's underwear and, and women's socks and things. And uh, I don't know what women's socks are, by the way, but they had them on the third floor. But he was in charge of you, and that felt good. I still remember that from being a kid. Well, you're three, four, five years old, and when he got to the uh, still to the, the later fifties, that you know they still had elevator men in buildings like that. Well, I like that. All right, we don't need that. Fine, that's fine. All right, so it went to buttons then. Okay, fine with me. You push the button outside the elevator, as we were just saying. You get in, the door's open, you get in, door's closed, you push a button. Floor 7, floor 8, floor 15, whatever it is. Now, that seems doable, doesn't it? And this is not being cranky, by the way, but what have we done? What have we thrown out that we still would rather have? I remember, by the way, I was telling Colonel Jeff as we were preparing for the show I remember going into an elevator. I was 15 years old, and this is on Long Island in New York, and I took a bus to Hempstead and was looking. I was going to apply for this job or was going to have an interview. I can't remember what it was for. And I got in the elevator in the lobby, and this is work time. It was about 10.30 in the morning, and the elevator was also filled with six or seven fellas in suits with briefcases and the kind of thing you might expect in a big building like that. And I got in and the doors closed. And I said to myself, you know what? This is a good example of a good elevator. This is for a big new building like this, a fancy operation. And uh, the guys like this are in it with the suits and the briefcases. And and plus, it's good. This is, this is a good one. It's smooth as silk and can't feel a thing. It's just going and that, that's great. And it doesn't jerk you along. It feels wonderful. And folks, about 30 seconds went by. And then I was the only one who, who thought this, apparently. And I, I suddenly, I just looked at the elevator around. And I turned around to look at these other fellas and said, did anyone push a button? And they all looked a little surprised and shocked and looked at each other and shrugged. And no, I, I, I didn't push it. No one had pushed a button. That wasn't a smooth elevator. It was a little metal room with the doors closed that wasn't moving. 
and they were just looking at the front the way people do or glancing up at the numbers which weren't moving and i was the i was the only one who said well you know what why why don't we do that why don't we push buttons and i and i was just 15 and i and i reached over and pushed my button then a couple of the other fellows again looked at each other and said yeah yeah okay let's and they pushed their buttons now that's another moment of elevatorness that you want to say who's stupid here is everyone stupid but on this building but in this elevator today the older fella and i got to the 15th floor and we smiled our goodbyes he said have a have, have a good appointment i said you too and uh and i got into the uh place there and there was a woman who came out to meet me and one of the producers, and she was very nice, and she said, well, I'm glad you could make it. Thank you for coming here. And I said, she said, any any problems? I said, no, no. I said, does, I said, does anyone ever complain about the elevator here? And she said, everyone, I know, we all know. It's, it's just, if you don't know how to use it, it's just, it's, it's impossible to figure out. And she said, are you, are you okay? I said, no, I, listen, I'm fine. I'm a big boy, but it's just, whew, I would rather dive out the window here on the 15th floor than have to take that elevator down again. And she, she smiled and took me into the green room. And there was Sam Rubin, by the way, who has his own show on Fox. And he I've worked on his show several times, and we like each other. And I said, what do you know? And uh, he was there. He does that show, too. This goes on, remember, live in Australia. And he does a lot of news reporting and entertainment reporting. And uh, he was there to also talk about this this thing today of people bribing or paying uh, colleges and universities to take their kids in. And that was one of those things. And my publicist, my friend Michael Hansen, came, met me there, and and uh, we were both looking at the TV in the green room and saying, "What? I don't. I don't even know what's wrong here. I don't even know what crime was committed." And he said, "The same here. What are you, we're going to all spend? You and I are going to spend the next twenty to forty hours hearing. Well, this just in." on the big university thing. And if we have any brains, you and I will both turn the TV off, by the way. That's, you know, I'm not ranting here. I'm just saying, come on. If you watch another segment on the, uh, we we spoke to the people at the college and they said they didn't know. Oh, I can't, I can't, I just can't. And uh, Sam had a great spot there. That's five or six minutes. And they, he's on there three times a week. And then he came back in the green room we just chatted. It was very nice. He said, come on the show. And he said uh, to my friend Michael, call me and let's get Larry back on the show. Sure, sure. That'd be great. And then the uh, producer came in and uh, he took me in to the place where you sit down and you put, you know, the little thing in your ear. And I was dressed up, by the way. I had uh, a sport jacket, shirt, tie and slacks, and topsiders, which for me is really dressed up. I don't know about you. And and plus I had makeup on to, you know, not a ton of makeup, but they have all sorts of stuff there in these places. And 
Sure, all right. I'm, and plus, I'm in show business. Why the heck not? And I was sitting there, and I did my spot, and they were very nice to me. And I, I spoke to Richard and Sheila in Australia, and because you know, these technologies are just amazing, folks. You know that. You sit there, and there's a microphone in front of you, and you're sitting in a chair, and it's shot from the waist up, and they want to hear a couple of stories about this. See, it's the 20th anniversary of a movie I was in called Ten Things I Was Hate, Ten Things I Hate About You, and uh, I should I should know that title better. I have a strict rule: if you're in the thing, you should know the title. And it's a terrific movie. I think it's very very good, and it's uh, based on William Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew. And they and they, in fact they kept the names. Because Julia Stiles, who's a great actress, as you know, and uh, played Katerina. And, of course, it was a big event for them and for that show because Heath Ledger, who's passed on, was a great guy and a great actor and a great talent. And they love him in Australia. They really always revered him and then they were proud of him. And they should be. So they wanted to know about uh, about him and uh, what it was like to to work together. And I finished my segment, and I was very happy with it, and they were very happy with it. And the producer took the little thing out of my ear, and I went back into the green room, and Michael was happy, and that, that matters to me. It counts a lot, and counts to him. And then I was, why well, it's time to leave? And I said to him, uh, feel like getting a bite? And he said... Uh, well, sure, do you feel like getting a bite? And then he said to me, and he was right, he said, you know, if we take our cars out of the parking garage here in the building, we'll never find another spot outside. And that that sounds that sounds silly to you maybe, but he was right. I mean, he was exactly right. I looked at him in the green room and just said, boy, you nailed it there. You know what? And we just shook hands and both said, goodbye, <laughs> because... That was not going to be, we weren't going to sit down for a dinner anywhere. I don't mean an hour-long dinner, but just to get a bite. And plus the fact I was coming back here to Stately Miller Manor to do the show and to meet Colonel Jeff. And I did that, went back down to the garage, Michael and I together, and he got his car and I got mine, and there we go. And he headed off, and he went that way, and I went the other way, and I were not know where I'm going, and I was... Going back to, you know, you're in L.A. Well, I know my way around at this point for crying out loud. And I passed Cahuenga. And I should have taken that. But there's sometimes you do, you do things that are so dumb. I said, well, wait a minute. I'll just go back, back to Highland and uh, take that north and uh, just go up and over the hills there. But this is rush hour, folks. This is now 4.15. And... It's, as the old line goes, it's a parking lot. In fact, it was worse than that. It was an oil painting. So you just, and, but there I am. All right. Once again, I'm a big boy. I can do this. But I also thought, well, boy, oh boy, you know, I'm getting hungry and I'm going to meet the colonel at uh, this place and he's going to come to the, well, to the to the manor here and we're going to do the show. So I I couldn't stop anywhere, but I wanted, well, you know, you get hungry. Now it's 4.15, 4.20. Well, come on. And I thought, this is a good time to stop over. And before we got to the Hollywood Bowl, we're on Highland now. I am, that is. And uh, I saw a little mini mall 
with a Subway and a Starbucks and a Pizza Bella place and a, a sushi place that had closed, which is not a good sign, by the way, but that's all right. If you're looking for an omen, but I just, you know, the last second I put my blinker on, pulled, and I thought, this is a good time and a good place. And I went into the subway there. And it's a really nice place. Subways, I don't know if you know this, but they keep them very well. They're very well made, very well designed. And this stuff was all new. And it wasn't chipped in furniture. And it was a good place to sit. I was the only one in there. And I ordered my stuff, and I ordered a, a big sandwich, a foot-long thing. And I know it's one of those places also where you talk yourself into, well, it's actually healthy because you get some turkey and, uh, and let's see, I got cucumbers, tomatoes, olives, pickles. I, it may sound horrible to you, but I like that stuff. and uh, And some oil on it. And at any rate, I sat down and started to eat. And that's when I began to realize, because I said, well, gee, I, actually, before I eat, I want to just go to the washroom and uh, we'll wash up and, well, use it. And I realized this is one of those places because someone else walked in and the guy asked for a, a restroom. And the guy said, and he's a young fella behind the counter. He just said, no, we don't. We don't have a restroom for people, for the public and and she said, okay, and walked out. And and I thought, oh, boy, all right. Well, I was pretty hungry. I polished off that sandwich, and I don't mean in a rush, but it felt good. It felt right. And I got a soda, and I got a Coke, big, tall, cold Coke with plenty of ice. I know it's not good for you. Well, this one tasted pretty good for me. And uh, I did that, finished my things off, and and walked outside, and now I'm ready to go home, to go here, to Miller Manor. And it was, by now it's about, well, it's it's about five. And that's, you know, plenty of time. But I realized, oh, wait a minute. I had to pee, all right? I'll just say it. And I thought, well, this will, uh, all right. And I looked across to my left and right, and this little mini mall, and there was that place, Pizza Bella, and I thought, that looks like a nice place. Let me just kind of walk in, and I did a very quick step walk and went in there. And it's also a very nice place, if, if pizzeria, and same thing, nice furniture, good stuff. And I walked up to the guy, and he uh, was very nice, and I said, can I get a slice? I don't like to ask people for the use of their place if I don't get something. I wasn't hungry. I'd just eaten at Subway. But I said, just a slice. Do you have uh, one slice? Yes, we do. I said, oh, great. And uh, he gave me the check. And I said, uh, and can I use your restroom, please, just uh, before I eat? He said, no, no, we don't have a restroom for everyone and for the customers. And Oh, okay. I was beginning to realize that whole little area there wasn't big on restrooms for the public. And I took the check he gave me through a doorway into a big market because that's where I had to pay for the pizza. And I went up and there was an, an older man there in his 70s or 80s, an older Chinese man. And uh, his 
I walked up to him and he gave me the, the check and he smiled and I, and I, as I was paying for it, I said, uh, can you tell me, please, can I uh, use your restroom? Because I, I thought I'd try him. Because these places have restrooms. You know that. I know that. I like these places. I like the folks who work there. But they have to pee too sometime in their 10-hour shift. And he said, no, 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 probably, no, probably. Uh, and uh, he's not proper, he said. Not proper place to, uh, to, to pee? It's not a proper place? Do you have a bucket? Is that proper enough? And I said that, and he, he didn't either. He did, either he didn't understand, or he just thought, "Why do I have to listen to bald men trying to be funny?" And he said, "No, no public. All right, all right." And I, I went back into the pizza place. I paid for the slice, and went back in there. Now I've just got to get the slice. I don't feel like I'm more. You know, you don't want to look stupid and just throw it out. And uh, so I sat down with the slice at one of the tables and. Uh, it was nice and hot, not too hot. And I figured I have to at least take a bite of the slice before throwing it out. And I did. I took a bite of two bites. And I said, all right, thank you. Bye, 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 bye. And I walked out and just thought, you know, this is a little crazy now. And I just tried the Starbucks, which was a couple of doors down. I figured, they always have, you know, washrooms. And I walked in there and stuck my head in. And no, they don't. No, they don't. This whole place, this whole complex didn't want restrooms for the public. All right, all right. Now I realized I got to get home because this is, well, I've got to get home because I know we have bathrooms there. And as I walked out the door, there was a fella coming up uh, just a four, five or six feet away and he walked up and he was... Uh, He's a big guy, about six two, and uh, and uh, looked you know big, sort of like muscular big. And uh, he said to me, and I just noticed though that as he came up, uh, that he had that very very red face of someone who sits in the sun a lot. And I don't mean trying to get tan. I mean he sits on the sidewalk a lot and gets really red, like lobster red. And he, as he came up, he looked at me and had a big smile. He had a big smile he put on and he just, oh, and and he, and he so happily, and he just shouted, white man, white man. And he held his fist out for me to bump it, to do a fist handshake. I don't know. First of all, I think you kind of have to do that. And this is not someone you want to make mad. And I did, oh, all right. So you kind of tap the, the fist and he goes, ah. And then he shouted out to a friend of his who was sitting on the sidewalk in front of the subway I had just eaten at. And he just said, ah, black man, white man. And I said, all right. And I realized it's time to get out of here. You know, I don't dislike this guy, but so far, whatever this guy is, there was nothing worse going than I realized this place gets people like this all the time, this whole mall. That's why they don't have bathrooms for all the folks to use. Even someone in topsiders and a tie and shirt and sport jacket who really just needs to pee. And I didn't. I went, gotten back in my car 
And I thought as I got in, all right, I pulled backwards out. And the guy, by the way, who was sitting just about 20 feet from me, this same fellow with his friend in front of the subway, just shouted to me, uh, <laughs> one word he just screamed, Trump! With a big smile. And I just couldn't help and I just smiled back. And he shouted again, Trump! Just that one word, Trump! And I didn't know, I told Colonel Jeff, we both realized, I didn't know whether he was celebrating Trump or just thinking because I'm a white man that I would like him now. I I don't know and I didn't care and I just kind of did a small wave and pulled back, got a back on the Highland, which, folks, I'm telling you, was the same parking lot, only worse. And I got on... And I thought, whoa, this is crazy. I got to, all right. And normally in the middle of the night, that would be a 17-minute or 20-minute drive back to Stately Miller Manor. It was going to take much longer than this, though. And now, by the way, it's 5.10. And it's, you know, I got to, well, call Jeff and just see he left me a message. And that was great. Hey, I'm on my way. And I messaged him back. Just saying, because we weren't moving, by the way. I never used the phone in the car, but we were parked, in effect. And I just, you know, said, hey, it's traffic here. And he said, he said me too. I said, I'll see you at, the, you know, at the house and fine. And I figured, well, between 5, 10, and I told him I could be there before 6. We And that's what I did. I started going, and this is crawling along in traffic. And folks... I'm telling you, I realized, oh, I don't know if I can last here. I don't know. And I mean, I really wanted, well, a, little, a, f- a few trees off the off the baseball field. I mean, just someplace to, to run quickly into, to do well, to pee. And, and I, but I couldn't, and I'm in the car. And I'm telling you that it took so long. And I thought all along the way, okay, this is nuts, but this is the way it is. And I'm a, once again, I'm a big boy. I'm not a baby. I know what I said as soon as I get home. I know where to go because we have bathrooms. And I kept going. And, folks, the last two miles was where I had to go so badly that that's where you start sort of shouting in the car to yourself and singing songs. I remember one was, I love a parade. I don't know why I sang that or had to sing that. Sing something. Just do something with your voice. Go, oh, oh, oh. And the windows are closed, but there's... What you you look like someone who's just escaped from an asylum, you know, to anyone who's driving right next to you. And I'm telling you, I got, I got back to the house just fine. I made it, and I really didn't think I would. And I got back in the driveway, and Colonel Jeff wasn't there yet. And I opened the door, and I got back in the house, and I saw. I knew my wife. So the doggies came up to say hi. And my wife was in her office. And so the bathroom was just now four feet away just to turn right and get in there. And 
but to, to be polite, you know, I just went, stepped into, well, into the office area and shouted out, hi, it's me, you know, and she said, oh, hi, how'd it go? And I, it wasn't a good time for conversation, but I know I just said, fine, great, great, great. Excuse me, I just have to go to the bathroom. And now just that 12 or 15 seconds more, I started kind of jogging like Frankenstein and just, oh, 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 and got in there and closed the door and, well, unbuckled everything. And I realized, oh, oh, oh no, 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 no. And uh, I got everything down and, well, began. I I made it. And I and I stood there with my hand against the wall, just breathing heavily when it was all done. And there you are. You're a human being, and that's holy mackerel. And I even said a little prayer of, you know what, thank you, God, and uh, for getting me back here. And I, you know everything anyway, so I guess you know what I was doing. And folks. That was when I went upstairs, kind of slow. I mean, really, that was an exhausting, frightening journey. And I went upstairs into my wife's and my bedroom there, and we have a bathroom in there. And I did, I took off the sport coat and the tie and the shirt and, and then just started turning the sink on to wash up. Wash my hands three times just to get all the fist bump off it. The you know the when I shook hands with the the red faced man, remember called me white man, and then just shouted Trump. And uh, at any rate, I did that. I I cleaned off. Then I washed my face. Then I sort of two times and put it on the head. Two times, everything just and whoo. And that was when. Uh, Colonel Jeff called me. I had my phone there on the counter and I dried off quickly with my hands and just uh, pushed the little on. And I said, hi, what's going on? And uh, he said, he's on his way. He was stuck in horrifying traffic too. I said, that's great. And then he said, he's there. I said, oh, you're there. You're right here. And I said, oh, okay, I'll be right down. And I, my wife said, oh, I'll get him. I'll let him in. I said, okay. And I, well, I wiped my hands and face and tossed on a sharp, short-sleeved shirt. And that's how I'm talking to you now. But I am here to tell you, folks, that on this story, I love stories that have great meals in them. I love, and I've told a few recently, and I, and I love when we're happy because of them. And why shouldn't we be? But on this occasion, I was in a mini mall with no bathrooms, and I made it back, but just by the skin of my teeth, and I hope that phrase applies. I don't know why I said it, but folks, do yourself a favor, and you get home safely too, and you go to the bathroom in your house too, and... 
Don't look for when there's no nothing around that can help you. Don't spend time looking for it. And if you have to bump fists with a guy who sits in the sun a lot on the sidewalk, just do it and wash up when you get home. I know that, and so do you. And we know the same things. Homer is Homer, and Pluto is a planet. So remember, folks, as always... If you walked out of bed today and had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you, folks, the game's over and you've won. Remember that. And go wash your hands. We'll see you here next time.